Good morning and welcome here. I'm going to disturb our music people's uh, papers here because in my old age I need a big Bible so that, and I, it's too heavy to hold it up. Now I brought one of my Christmas presents along before we get started here. This is a brand new coffee mug from my favorite grandchild gave me this mug, it says on here. And I said to her when she gave it to me, I'm confused. How am I supposed to know that you are my favorite grandchild? And she said, just read the mug, Grandpa. <laughs> she said some things about me being forgetful and, and absent-minded in my old age, but we won't repeat those here. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles for a moment to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at a couple of verses there since it's New Year's Eve. Now, I don't know if your family have New Year's Eve traditions. I didn't grow up in a family where we went to church, but we had a New Year's Eve tradition. My parents loved to dance. They used to practice at home. They'd turn on the record player and waltz in the living room. And on New Year's Eve, well, actually, almost every Saturday night, from the time my brother was about three, he was the youngest of us, we went to a dance somewhere. And New Year's Eve was the big dance of the year. And just imagine yourself stuck in the mid-60s, and you're a teenager. Just, just imagine that for a moment. And you're at the New Year's Eve dance. I don't know if you folks know what happens at New Year's Eve dances. But at midnight, all the young guys get to go around to all the young girls and, and ask for a kiss. And I always hoped I stood back against the wall because I was much too shy to ever do that. And so I just stood back against the wall and hoped that some young thing would come up and throw her arms uninvited around me and give me a kiss. But it never happened. <laughs> never. In fact, I was so uninteresting to ladies that the first time I met a lady who was interested in me, I married her as quick as I could. <laughs> and uh, and we've been, we're coming up 52 years next year. It's been pretty good, you know? Yeah. One, she's not here today. She's got the flu. But uh, one was all it took. Didn't need all those other young things. Anyhow, that was our New Year's tradition off to a dance somewhere. Now, I picked this passage because I think it's a great one for New Year's. He starts off, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now that passage speaks of our greatest need. You think about what your greatest need is just at the moment, and maybe you think it's uh, money, maybe you think it's uh, a pleasure, maybe you think it's justice. I don't think my greatest need is justice, because if I got justice, I would have no hope. Every commandment in this book, 
I have broken in word or deed or thought or omission. Everyone. And I have offended God in so many ways. Every possible way. Including ways that I don't even realize. And yet, he provided my greatest need for me. The need that I did not even recognize. And that is mercy. God had mercy on me in Jesus Christ. Our greatest unrecognized need. Because we don't think about mercy as one of our needs. We think of three meals a day or as many as you can get. We have all sorts of ideas about what we need. We need people to, uh, to love us. We think that, and that, these things are great needs. I'm not denying that. But mercy is our greatest need, and we don't even realize it. And God offers it freely in Jesus Christ. So he says, in view of God's mercy, because of this great mercy that God has extended to us, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now I've heard people say that your body doesn't really count. You know, your, the flesh is just flesh. But you know what? God is redeeming us. Soul, spirit, and body. Even this body is... is ridiculous as it may look to you, someday will rise from the grave and be changed into something immortal. It includes every part of us. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Now he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And, and I think that's a great thing to consider on New Year's Eve. Because the other thing besides, uh, besides going to a dance on New Year's Eve, the other thing that, that my sisters did, I had three sisters, there were four of us in five years, and I'm the oldest, or four of us in four years, and then my poor brother came along four years later. But... Uh, my sisters all used to make, what's the word? Make resolutions. That's what it was. I had to actually write that down here so I would remember to say it because uh, when I was thinking about it in my mind, I couldn't remember the word. But resolutions. I, I don't know if some of you make resolutions. Anybody care to volunteer their resolution for the year? I don't make any either. But my sisters did. They resolved things like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to lose five pounds this year. It was one resolution one year. And it was a ridiculous idea because, well, because they were all out. We grew up on a farm where things weren't mechanized until after most of us left home. Then my dad had to mechanize because the 
mechanized because the, far, the help went away. But so those girls didn't have an extra ounce to spare. They were big girls. But there was no extra on them because when you're forking hay and milking cows, you don't have any extra. It takes everything you've got. So it was a ridiculous idea, and they never stuck to it for very long. But that's kind of the pattern of this world, isn't it? We resolve things. And resolve when you're approaching things is not a bad thing. But mostly, when we resolve things, especially at times like New Year's, who's it about? It's about us, isn't it? I want to uh, go to the gym and uh, bulk up a little, which is ridiculous at my age because uh, I'm going down, not up. But, but those are the kind of resolutions we make. I want to be kinder. I want this. I want that. It's always about us. That's the pattern of this world, isn't it? It's about me. I was telling you about marrying my wife many years ago. And even that, when it first happened, was about... No, it wasn't about her. It was about me, right? I'd look good with this woman on my arm all the time. She can actually cook. <laughs> I can make coffee. I know how to do that. And I'm really good with oatmeal. But she can cook. It was all about me at first. I, I have changed a little bit. But that's the pattern of this world. Those are the resolutions we make. But times like New Year's Eve, things that are about us and improving us. And, and the interesting thing, when I was thinking about this, I, I was listening to the radio one day when I was going for coffee, and uh, one of the things, they came on and they talked about New Year's resolutions. And did you know that the average resolution of people in Canada lasts about four months. That's average. Some of them don't last four days. I'm going to quit drinking. Well, that lasts till tomorrow, right? Or maybe tonight. Because resolutions, our own resolve is difficult to sustain. 1% of people who make a resolution on New Year's Eve, 1% of them, according to this statistic on the radio, continue till next New Year's. 1%. That's how good we are at, at keeping stuff like that. The pattern of this world. So we have to strive for something else. And it'll take a little resolve on your part to do that. I'm not saying resolve is a bad thing, a resolution, but, but it's not the main thing. The main thing 
that we have to resolve is to cooperate with God in His work in our lives. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world which is making resolutions and not keeping them for very long or at all, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're not aiming at changing ourselves by resolution. We're aiming at transformation. That is God's aim for us. We're required to cooperate in it. And we do that through renewal, the renewing of our mind. Now, you don't have to sign up for a university degree or something to renew your mind. If you are seeking and working toward that relationship with God in a closer and more intimate way all the time, if that's what your aim is, you will be transformed. He will transform you. Now, transformation is an amazing thing, and I learned this as a kid, too. My mom was a, a great scientist. She, she, had a, she was a school teacher before she married my dad and became a farmer's wife. Married women couldn't teach in small one-room country schools in our part of Manitoba. So once she was married, that was the end of her career. She started milking cows and forking hay instead and having children. But she was a keen observer of nature. And one of the things we used to do is we collected the pupas, if you know what that is. It's a, a pre-butterfly. It's a little hard case, about that long usually, some smaller, some bigger, depending on the bug or butterfly. And we hatched them. We had to provide the proper conditions for them to hatch. And eventually, you, you keep the temperature just right, too, not too hot, not too cold, humidity uh, just all proper. One day, a butterfly emerges from this ugly little cylinder. Now, sometimes we would try to help that along. You know, if you get to the stage where it's getting close and the thing is whipping around, it's, it's a still this ugly little shell, but it's just about ready. And so, at first, sometimes we would try to help by peeling it, but it never works because all you get is a bunch of goo. You couldn't help it. Our efforts to help were not helpful. Now, sometimes when they actually started to emerge, we would help or try to help it sh shuck off this, uh, this shell and become a butterfly. But that didn't work either because 
The, its wings would be all wrinkled, and they never straightened out. And my mother explained to us that it needs to work its way out in order for its wings to strengthen so that they can float away. So I learned some things about helping. Sometimes our best efforts, our human efforts, are not enough. And sometimes they're even counterproductive. And it's that way in our transformation that he's talking about here. God is the one who is at work transforming us. And sometimes if we say, well, I want to be stronger and faster and more beautiful and, and whatever we say, that's counterproductive. That's not what we're to be working toward. We're working towards renewal. And that renewal results in transformation. So how can we help? How can we cooperate with God in that process to make sure that it is full and complete? Because we are involved, you know. Some people argue about it's, it's the work of God, period. And other people say uh, it's, it's our work. And they're both wrong because it's both. It begins and ends with God, but we are called to cooperate. Now, you see this book, and it would be hard to miss. It's got huge print in it because I don't... Not only is my hearing going but my, and my memory, but my vision also. And, and so I need giant print now. As we resolve, you know, see, our resolution comes in here, into play here. As we resolve to draw nearer to God, this is one of the ways. Read it and study it. And you don't have to have a Bible college degree to do that either. You can do that on your own. And it may seem to be confusing at times. You may not understand everything you're reading, and sometimes you may not understand any of it. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like eating every day. Other than I know what I had for breakfast three weeks ago, I know what I had for breakfast three weeks ago because I always have the same thing. But as far as the other meals go, I have no idea what I ate three weeks ago for supper. But I do know one thing. It did me some good. And reading the Bible is the same. You may not understand everything. You may not even understand much of anything. But it does you good. It helps with the renewal of your mind. And if you keep going over it, page by page, chapter by chapter, book by book, eventually it will start to make sense. Maybe not right away, but it's like eating. You may not even like everything you ate three weeks ago, but it, it's working in you, keeps you alive, keeps you built up, 
And the Word of God is very much that way. You keep at it, day by day, week by week, year by year, you start to understand it. God explains it to you. He shows you. He changes you through your reading. There's other things you can do too. You can seek Him in prayer. When you stumble over a passage you're reading, call out to Him. Say, Lord, help me. Show me what this is about. When you have a need, and we focus on this, and it's not a bad thing to take our needs to God, but we focus on this sometimes exclusively. Got a need, you cry out to God, and then you walk away and forget all about it. But we can reach out to Him in prayer about anything, not just those things we need, not just those problems we have, but we can share with Him our joy. I heard somebody talking about the sunset this morning and the joy they received from it. On my side of town, we get to see the, the sunset. This side, you get sunrise. But they were sharing their joy and we can share our joy and pleasure in the things that we find joyful and pleasant in life. Another thing that is pretty important, although it's kind of downplayed in, in our society, maybe not in this town, but in, in many places, is fellowship with one another. What we're doing right here, right now, We don't grow in a vacuum in our Christian faith. It doesn't just happen all by ourselves. In fact, I think it's impossible to become everything that God intended you to be alone. Even the people, in my own experience, I've had some people who who offended me grievously in churches. Even that, as I look back, was good for my character. God used even that in forming me and changing me and transforming me. I learned to forgive, which is an amazing thing because uh, who really wants to forgive when somebody offends you? But we're called to, to love our enemies. And, and if some of them seem to appear in here, and I hope that isn't true in here, but if it does, even that, as we forgive and seek reconciliation, God can use for our higher good, and theirs also. It is amazing how God works in us, and He doesn't do that in isolation. He does it in community. Just as, just as we are here right now, 
the last thing I'd like to mention today, and there's many other things, but when you are looking toward renewal and transformation in your life, not just resolution, but renewal, true renewal, the last thing I'd like to bring up today is obedience. Obedience. As we study and read, as we interact with one another, as we reach out to God in prayer, the thing that is most necessary is to obey as we learn, as we read, as we find things out about God's character and and His desires for us, even His commands for us, because there are commands. We don't go by commandments anymore. But God still has commands for us. And as we learn things that He desires for us, we need to obey them. There are a couple of commands that Jesus gave us which were universal. One, through Peter, in his very first sermon in the book of Acts, Peter said, repent and be baptized. That's a command. Repentance and faith are to be followed by baptism. Not because it is, the water has any special meaning, but because the act of obedience is good for us. Something else which we're going to do here right in a few moments, we're going to share the Lord's table together. And I'm going to turn for a moment to 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, and start reading in verse 23. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. This table that we're about to share together for the last time this year as we prepare to usher in the new year is an act of evangelism and proclamation. It's an act of identification with Jesus Himself. 
It is an act of fellowship with Him and with each other as we share together. And it is an act of obedience. We do it in obedience to the command of the one who extended mercy to us. In view of God's mercy, this is where we come today. So I'd like to invite our music team up for a moment. Uh, while they're coming, uh, we've got four tables at the four corners of the room. Uh, when, you, when the top is taken off, you'll see that there is doubled cups in there. One of them has a tiny bit of very hard bread, but if your teeth are at all good, you'll manage it. If not, it's small enough to swallow. And the other cup, they're nestled together. The other cup has a little bit of grape juice in it. And we'll each file up, we'll file up and uh, take the emblems and, and then take them back to our seats. And then when everybody's been served, we'll share together at once, all together. So let's pray for a moment. And then we'll, I'll invite you up to uh, receive the emblems. Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank and praise you today. We thank you for the year that has passed and, and the one that's coming for the joys and sorrows and pleasures and, and difficulties that you have taken us through. Lord, we thank you too and especially for the work of our wonderful Savior who bought and paid for us. Thank you for bringing us to yourself. We, we love and adore you. You're a wonderful and amazing God and we worship you even today, even with this act. Thank you. We thank and praise you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.